Hello and welcome to Desi Sportscast slash live stream. Uh, we're back um, after the launch yesterday and we're back with um, our normal football update. But this time we're starting a new launch. We're having a regular chat about European football, obviously, while we wait the big anticipated start of the IPL. Um, so hopefully you will enjoy this new part of the uh, podcast where we talk about all things football, mainly European football, and there's only one person we would have when it comes to talking about anything to do with football, and that's my friend and co-host Nevin Thomas. Nevin, hello and welcome. How are you, my friend? I've been really good, actually. Uh, things are starting to open up in India, starting to go out a little, even though the corona still, scare is still there. And uh, I had a miserable day in FPL, so a little upset about that. I picked Mane instead of Salah. I picked um, uh, I picked Rodrigo instead of Bamford. I picked Saliba instead of Gabriel. So it's been a <laughs> very weird day, but glad that football's back and glad we've got a distraction. Yeah, absolutely glad that football's back. Um... And um, I know it's still only day one of the uh, Fantasy League. Um, yeah, um, I've entered as well. I didn't have Salah. Um, I went for Mane, but a uh, uh, long way to go. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, knowing that you're in the Fantasy yeah. League, I will look after your team. And we'll talk. What's your team called, by the way? Are you in a general league? Because we've got a private league here as well. We've got a Kalpan, the private league. And there's another private league that I follow. So All right. Being stuck so, to the well, that's another element we can talk about uh, when it comes to um, how the season progresses and um, uh, how the teams are doing. But it's a really warm welcome to you. Uh, it has been a while since we spoke. We've relaunched Desi Sportscast. Uh, you've seen the new rebranding. Um, hopefully people have uh, appreciated it. Uh, we've created a website that we're hopefully going to build as the um, season and the uh, sports uh, starts coming in. So, um, a fresh start for Desi Sportscast, uh, but familiar faces, and more importantly, it's you on the show. I think um, that's the main reason. Um, but um, in terms of uh, how it's been for you uh, without any sports as a journalist, um, how's, how's, how's that been? Uh, it's tricky because I also feel there is a lot to write about because players have opened up. We are also talking about aspects like mental health, we are talking about so many other things that uh, an athlete goes through because otherwise when there's live sports around it's just often just talking about sports as and what happens inside the inside the field so there's a lot of other things to write about but personally i've also been writing about movies and a lot of other things i've been very experimental in my time in lockdown so i mean i can't complain i don't think a sports journalist gets to write so much about adam sandler movies so i've been doing <laughs> that as well so, yeah so it's not been bad that's good. You've been diversifying. Good. Um, well, we're here to talk about, um, hopefully we'll have a regular show on European football. My, I mean, when mm. I started uh, doing these podcasts and um, I was surprised, I'll be honest with you, with the level of interest in European football. Um, your story is probably one that is followed by, um, it's going to be similar to the stories of a lot of people who follow uh, English football or European football. How did your connection with... Um, the football here start and uh, also more importantly um, I think we've talked 
about this in the past, but it'll be good to refresh everybody's memory as to where your links with Chelsea come from. Why, so how I, do I, people I, in India pick these teams? Um, I mean, there's no real reason, right? I, I mean, unlike, unlike somebody from Leicester who can support its home club, we are like, you know, we are down to what is shown on TV and the kind of identities these teams tend to have. So uh, for me, it's essentially rivalry with a sibling that started it off. He was a Manchester United fan. He is a Manchester United fan. So I wanted a team that could be Manchester United. That was my big focus. And I didn't want a red team. So it was a blue team all the time. Um, just happened that Chelsea became the most dominant blue side. Uh, there were a couple of matches that I've seen in which Everton is playing and I thought it was uh, Chelsea. So early days was a little confusing as to who I'm following. This is like 2099. This is not even a time when Abramovich has made Chelsea what it is today. So yeah, it started off. Initially, it was a little difficult to even admit to your peers or friends that you are a Chelsea supporter because not a lot of people knew about Chelsea. It was either Arsenal, Liverpool or Manchester United back then. So I considered myself uh, royalty that way that I started supporting Chelsea way before, not way before, but at least a couple of seasons before Abramovich came over. And yeah, since Jose Mourinho and Lampard, Terry, Rockwire, it's, you know, it's a massive team. And I've sort of identified with the, their, uh, you know, do or die or sort of, uh, Chelsea be very clinical side. They're not the most... Uh, say attractive football playing side. They they like to finish things off. They are very compact and they like to win trophies. So if you look at the number of uh, cups they've like, you know, accumulated in the last 20 years, that should speak a lot volume. So sort of identified with that aspect of Chelsea. And yeah, it's, I mean, once you like a club, it's very difficult to undo. So, and then it's just been Chelsea since. And in terms of football that's shown in India, was it prim primarily English football that was shown or were the European leagues yeah. also covered? And when did it really start? Uh, I mean, they say late 90s is when Premier League really picked, it, picked up. And even then, it was just the big guns you could see. So you could see United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and then whatever time slots that allowed other matches, you could see an occasional... Everton and Newcastle and Leeds. So those were the bigger teams back then, right? So, yeah, it's just sort of... And ever since it's been growing massively, I think, football, especially in pockets like Kerala, Goa, Northeast and uh, Calcutta and all, we all we already love football. And the fact that there's good quality football that you could follow week in and out, unlike, say, a World Cup, which you have to wait for four years, it sort of, like, made us you know, glue to our TVs every weekends and they became a thing to watch football every weekend. It sort of gradually grown up and, <clears throat> sorry, uh, even Premier League has invested a lot now. They, they come have, especially in the metro cities, they tend to have a lot of gatherings and screenings and things like that. So it's just, uh, I think the last 20 years has been massive for Premier League. So if you look at 2001 and 2020, I think things have increased drastically and it is still increasing drastically. So you even have like last year, I think Premier League India started uh, all those social media handles and all that so dedicated content based on Indian fans. So you can definitely see an upward trend there. Yeah, and obviously for the Premier League, the Indian market is huge and something they want to tap into and you see a lot of programs starting up as well with associations. Uh -huh. But they've been starting from back in the day. I remember when 
I don't know if it's Mohan Bagan or East Bengal. I think it was East Bengal had some sort of association with my own club, Leicester City, um, although that didn't uh, carry on. But um, in terms of the coverage um, and uh, the, I mean, here obviously in England it's 24 7. Um, what's the coverage like in the media there? Is it just um, a couple of back pages or is it uh, getting to a level where there's um, a lot of information around? I know social media is a big part of that, but in terms of the mainstream media, yeah. what's the uh, football coverage like? I would say, again, it's still mostly restricted to the big teams. So you can still see a United or an Arsenal or a Liverpool or a Chelsea nowadays uh, occupy uh, a good bit of news. So if they you know, win something in Champions League or something, or a big rivalry match. It's a good chunk of newspaper space that is dedicated to that. But I think online media and the rise of the websites and social media, that is really boosted. Now there's nobody stopping you from, you know, it's not like you're sharing content with cricket. Both can exist. So mm-hmm. unlike, uh, say, 10, 15 years ago, where a newspaper page, you have to like divide or give a lot of portions to say, uh, cricket. Now there is nobody stopping us from doing the football articles as well. So that is really, you know, you know, given a big boost. And uh, I can only see. I mean, we are streaming here, so I think this is now becoming the norm. Now that dedicated channels for football, there's a lot more of. I, I also see a lot more of hardcore fans. I mean, I in 2005, for example. I mean, we supported different teams, but we're not that angry with each other now. Now, fans can't even stand the opponent. Fans at that <laughs> fanatic levels in India. So definitely um, uh, an increasing passion for the sport and for English Premier League especially. And in, in terms of um, support, picking a team, I mean, you shared your story with us. It was a bit of rivalry, sibling rivalry that got you there. But um, I'm assuming living out here in England and seeing all this massive support for the top six teams, it's basically about the team that had the most coverage and the team that was winning. That was yeah. the basic criteria. I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, now when you look back, like me, we'll come up with some theory as to why you supported the team. But I also think it's purely like who surround you. So in my case, it worked in the opposite way where like uh, uh, my brother supporting United was a big factor in me not supporting United, but I also know so many cases where a father is a United fan, a son is also a United fan, so that also really works out for them. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, whenever I talk to somebody from India, you know, I'm not surprised when they when I ask them if they've got a favorite EPL team and it's it's one of the uh, top six. Although I have to say it's predominantly uh, either Arsenal, Liverpool or Chelsea. Um, don't hear anybody saying I support Manchester City, uh, not too many with Tottenham. Obviously, United are huge as well. Uh, but I'm still um, in my hunt to find fellow uh, Foxes fans around the world, especially in India. I, I, I have a feeling there is a, a Leicester fan watching this video right now. I had shared the link, so maybe. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, you'll have to share his details because I want to get him onto the show. But, uh, surprisingly, I was watching um, uh, a cricket show, the Mumbai Indians. I think it was on Netflix or Amazon. And uh, mm-hmm. young lad was being interviewed and he was wearing a Leicester City shirt in Mumbai. I thought, wow, that's fantastic. It was so good to see. It's little things like that that mean a lot to me as a Leicester fan. Um, I'm sure, but just let me clarify, I'm wearing a Barcelona jersey and I don't give a damn about their team at all. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are just fascinated by jerseys as well. Not to, you know, prick your bubble, but 
that could also. <laughs> no, but it takes a level of commitment to wear a Leicester shirt. So no, that, that that's good. Barcelona shirt, everybody's got a Barcelona shirt. So no, that's fine. Uh, what's the coverage? I just like it because it's black. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I understand. I've got a few football shirts, but I don't have association with that team, but I like the shirt. Um, but in terms of the other leagues, because obviously um, it's the Spanish leagues were in the ascendancy in terms of the players, the quality of football. Uh, but what I see when I speak to anybody from India, it's all about the English Premier League. Uh, is that a fair statement? Mm-hmm. I guess. And it's partly due to, I mean, despite uh, a love for South American way of things and hence, you know, a lot of South American influence in Spanish football as well. Uh, I, I think it's not competitive enough. Sometimes we think, I mean, there's a lot of people watching a Real Madrid match or a Barcelona match, but not a lot of people watching, say, a Sevilla player, Real Madrid. And that's probably where other leagues have sort of missed out on. And the whole packaging has been far superior for Premier League. So if you look at a Premier League match, just remove the last four or five years, but before that, there was way better cameras, way better angles, way better produced in terms of punditry and everything. You just felt the package was overall way more enticing. And hence that also probably played a big role. And let's not forget that we were an English colony. So English is a language that a lot of us are familiar with. And we, I mean, there is a, there is definitely a connection to the English way of things. And, and I think it's a sum of all these, these factors that we know English and we probably connect with the English way. The, and this, and of course, the fact that the Premier League is way better produced and broadcast in India. And what's the uh, coverage like of the other leagues? I mean, do you get the same amount of uh, football shown, or do you get more EPL? It's all pretty much EPL, or do you get live games EPL is, on a regular basis? EPL is head and shoulders above the rest because I don't think uh, now that there is like. Uh, rivals like Sony and everybody, you know, broadcasting rival leagues, they've got at least streams for other matches, say, like we said, like a Serie area that is now available. But I think even say four or five years back, it's, I mean, it was very difficult to see a, a, a non-Real Madrid Barcelona match. It was mostly, really? yeah, I mean, it might be there, but not in favorable timings, not really marketed well that you don't, I mean, you won't know about the match. And also things like this fantasy Premier League, which really keeps you hooked to what even the lower clubs are doing. So you say, if I have a player uh, from Brighton in my team, now I want to know what (laughs) Brighton is up to. So that's what I said, like, I think Premier League has been very clever in how they've marketed. We're so like involved in every match and I think the I know a lot of people call it the most competitive league. Yeah, I am yeah. not uh, I I'm not say qualified enough to say that because I I don't know what is happening in a Serie or a, a Bundesliga. But the fact that it is at least packaged to look that way. Mm. The I mean the feeling is that you know it is a very competitive league and that uh, a twentieth place team can always beat a first place team. So no, I. The I whole, yeah, I personally believe it is the most competitive league because when you go down to the other strong leagues, in, whether it's Serie A, it's Ligue 1 or uh, La Liga, you, you know the teams are limited to maybe two, uh, well in uh, France it's one really, um, PSG yeah. and um, 
Um, whereas in the English Premier League, you quite rightly say anybody can beat anybody on the day, but consist- consistently, you still have a top six that's been there for a while. Yeah. No, last year it became a top two, um, but we'll talk about more about that. But I still feel I think that's another attraction for the EPL because it's the uh, competitiveness and um, how strong some of the teams even it in is, the middle of the table it is are. Strange that, it is strange that you say that, but like if you look at uh, most of these big leagues, I'm not calling the French League, but like Bundesliga and Serie A and uh, so if you look at those leagues, the number of points the winners have actually collected in the, in the entire league is not really far off from what has happened in Premier League as well. So then you ask this question, uh, I mean, if it was just a one-horse race or a two-horse race, shouldn't they be getting a lot more points, unlike say, the EPL, but if you look at the stats, it's not really the case. But I think it's just the fact that when a Watford beats a Liverpool, everybody is yeah. talking about it. So maybe as when Ibar beats a Liverpool, it's not that big a news. So I think it's all, I think, interconnected as to how much publicity this has is also a big reason why it is also looked as competitive and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really I also clear. personally think it's very competitive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that's the main uh, point, especially um, uh, for myself in terms of, um, yeah, there are still shocks on a regular basis, um, including yesterday, and we'll talk about yesterday as well. Um, But in terms of um, Project Restart and uh, how football came back and cheered the nation up, how did you see it back home? Was it just another, or did it have a little bit of uh, positivity for yourselves as well, seeing um, the football back in Europe? Oh, I mean, I was one of those skeptical ones. I thought I wouldn't be able to forget what is happening in the world. And I thought, oh my God, what are these people obsessing about football about when people are dying and all that. But like three matches into the, the restart and I was like glued to my TV and looking at what players are up to, what is the transfer news and all this. So I think football is undoubtedly part of our lives now. So yeah. definitely it's been a big plus. Everybody's been looking forward to it. Everybody's looking for reason to forget what has been happening in their lives. 2020 has been a pretty sad year, so I think football has been one of the biggest reliefs. So that's pretty yeah. much true in India as well. Absolutely. And for us in the next stage, uh, the government initially was going to allow um, fans to, I think around 10% of fans in each stadium to go back from October, but that's being reviewed, sadly. Um, I know how Leicester City uh, were going to do it. They were going to do uh, a rotor system so all the season ticket holders could see at least one game um, every four games uh, they would guaranteed to see that so and we have your footballers way to look forward to so um, I'm hoping things don't get worse and we'll be allowed to go into the stadium but the, the unusual fact is at the moment the way the rules stand is that if you do go to the stadium you can't shout you can't sing um, so you might as well watch it at home. So I don't know what's going to happen around that <laughs> yeah. in terms of enforcing those sort of rules. Um, but that's in the future, in a few weeks' time, and we'll see how that pans out. But what has panned out has been the transfer season. Um, and um, it was a short one. It's still open. But um, it started off with the big news of Lionel Messi saying he wants to leave Barcelona and the saga that dragged out and here it was a huge story on all the sports channels uh, about Messi's coming to Manchester City it's a done deal uh, there was a you know the figure about his 700 million 
buyout clause that that was illegal. So that pretty much generated the news for about a week. And then all of a sudden, he's staying at Barcelona. Um, what did you make of all that? I thought it was unnecessary. Um, unnecessary? Unnecessary. Unnecessary, like, yeah. Yeah, in terms of, uh, uh, this was probably the best opportunity for Real uh, Barcelona and Messi to part ways because let's be honest, he's going to leave next season anyway and he's going to probably walk away for free. So what Barcelona should have probably done is been clever, got some team like Manchester to pay a little bit of a transfer fee as well and also use that money to start this new revolution because now a new coach has to deal with an angry, upset Messi and he doesn't get to buy the players that he wants because Messi is still there. He's also got the problem of having the likes of Griezmann, Coutinho, Dembele, who all likes to occupy this you know, space that probably uh, Messi likes to occupy. So, this was a golden opportunity for Barcelona to restart. Also, I think considering what Messi has done for them, it is important that you don't treat him like a slave to a contract. In fact, I, I felt you know, so much bad taste in my mouth in the whole idea that no, you belong to us, you will stay. The whole nature of it for a guy who's given his life for this club, little, you know, you, you, want, you want these uh, football also to remain a little bit human. You know, I know there is a contract and that should be respected and all that, but here is a guy who's given everything. It was a good opportunity to part ways in a good way, helped, would have helped Barcelona transition, would have taken a lot of pressure out of Komen. I don't know, I think they've made the mess even messier. And yeah, <laughs> and the you, fact that there is a messy involved in it. But if, you, if you're Barcelona and you're in this transition and you know the pressure that there is to win trophies in Spain and win La Liga ahead of Real Madrid, can you afford to let Messi go? I mean, he's, I mean, you can't replace him, let's be honest. I think you can replace a player with three, four good players. I think that this has to be the strategy because I think the last decade or perhaps even more than that has been decade, uh, a decade for uh, teams to build around one individual. So you saw it with Messi, you saw it with Ronaldo, you saw a lot of people trying with other individuals as well, say like Chelsea doing with Hazard. I think that era is over and I think football has now gone back to being a, a team sport where I think what Messi's load was would be now carried by like three, four other individuals. I think I think Bayern Munich has shown us a, a, a blueprint as to how to go about this. Now, there's no hero in that Bayern side. Everybody can score, everybody will work hard. So I think that is the future and if you look at it that way, it's nice that Messi leaves for uh, Bayern, uh, Barca because then you've got this opportunity to you know use the likes of Griezmann, Coutinho, Dembele and Co in a more comprehensive manner and these three together can perhaps give you that extra that you require or whoever they want to sign extra say maybe a Martinez from Inter Milan would have come in he would have also chipped in with a lot of goals uh, I think I, I mean as impossible as it might seem that Messi can be replaced I mean, football teams, football has always seen gods, right? In terms of, you know, Pele, Maradona, all of these great, great players. But it's not like that has been the end of the football team for them. And clever managements will understand this a little earlier and sort of build around it and wait for the transition to be really smooth. I think Barcelona really screwed it up a little. 
but they still have an op had an opportunity this summer to really undo a lot of damage, but I think they missed out. Well, one of the statements that stood out for me when you said that is um, you can replace Messi with uh, three or four other players. I think that just shows you the stature of the man. Um, but also, uh, in terms of him, uh, it'd be for, for a start for me, it'd be really unusual for him not to be seen in a Barcelona show because he spent all his life there. Yeah, but I also think it was unrealistic to expect him to come to England. I, I'm not sure he would... He's obviously... he's the best player. I, I prefer him to Ronaldo, although there's a big debate about who's the better player. But playing in the Premier League, uh, it, it's so different to playing in La Liga. I, I think his natural move would be to Serie A, like Ronaldo, similar sort of football. Yeah, yeah perhaps, but like, uh, I mean, I, I sort of fancied Messi to come prove a point. Uh, just come say in Premier League for two seasons, not make some 50 players and just prove a point that he can do it in a cold night, cold night at Stoke, just for, you know, all those uh, trolls to end. So I think he's a phenomenal player and you can't, you can't stop somebody like Messi by just saying, oh, you're physical league or whatever. He's got the pace and trickery to beat anybody in the world. So I still think Messi's got another three years of top football left in him and what I've really enjoyed seeing him at, at City. I mean, despite City being a rival and I mean, it would be crazy to imagine a City with Messi in, in it as well. But nevertheless, it would have been a great, it would be great for the Premier League football as well to have somebody like Messi come to them. Uh, oh, but, without doubt, it'd be a huge signing um, and uh, it just boosts the uh, ratings up even more. But yeah. um, in terms of... Um, there would Yeah, we're still good to go. Um, sorry, the message just came up and saying it was uh, disconnected. Um, but in terms of, um, you said, you know, Messi would be going to City. Uh, on the back of that, what are your thoughts on these? And this is a comment that um, um, Jurgen Klopp made as well, that, you know, when it comes to transfer markets, Liverpool are not in the... are not owned by a country. They're not owned by an oligarch. We're not... We're, 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 uh, uh, buying in different markets. What are your thoughts on these huge uh, clubs? And obviously, uh, Man City got away with the um, fair play rules. I mean, they found they were found not guilty. They didn't breach any rules. There were meant to be rules around spending and what have you, but I, I, they're so complicated. Even Man City didn't have any issues. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, you've got PSG owned by a country, Man City owned by a country, you've got Kelsey with your rich owners. Uh, I mean, unpopular opinion, but I think Klopp is just upset that he can't go out in the summer and, you know, buy whoever he wants to, like what Chelsea is doing, despite winning a Premier League and despite, you know, uh, being so good in the Champions League in the last two, three seasons. So, I think it's sore grapes and as any manager should do, he should, uh, you know, deflect a lot of attention away from their own lack of summer activities to something else like Chelsea doing extra. I mean, Chelsea got really lucky, let's be very honest with the summer. In terms of the, the transfer ban meant they didn't spend a lot in the last year. And also they have the financial backing of somebody like say Roman Abramo, which, which means they don't have to like generate that kind of a, a money through sales to go out and buy. 
uh, I understand where FFP comes from and I understand how difficult it is for say, I mean, I think the French League is a good example of how the likes of Marcel, Lyon, everybody has just gone out simply because PSG came with that money. And so I understand where FFP comes from, but if you look at it from a different perspective, say if I'm, uh, um, if I'm somebody who wants to jump into the biscuit manufacturing industry. So in India, we've got say something like Parley and Britannia who are already established players. So if there is a government rule saying that you can only spend based on what you earned right now, then it becomes really difficult for me to, you know, go out and, you know, compete with the Parleys and the Britannias. And what I would in, in fact want to do is a lot more money, uh, you know, get a lot of advertisements and hopefully in the fifth year I can break even and then start making profit. That's how businesses works, right? So I, I mean, I know this is a very controversial or unpopular opinion, but I also feel FFP needs to be, I mean, FFP tends to uh, protect the interest of the already established football clubs like Uniteds and the Liverpools, uh, because you know they've already make a, they already make a lot of money, so then it's very easier for them to uh, move around uh, the FFP regulations. That said, like I said, I mean there's no clear. It's a lot of grey. I wish it was more, uh, you know, it was more like a three-year FFP project where in the three-year your average is sort of calculated so that at least teams can say spend one summer and then sort of try to negotiate a deal in the next summer and something like that rather than have this annual FFP uh, set up but yeah I think that's my uh, rather controversial opinion about FFP. No it's a fair one as well and uh, but talking uh, on the back uh, following on from that and uh, what you just said and your club has stood out in terms of the business it's done um big big signings including a player from Leicester City which um, I think we've got a good side of that deal but um I is this a Chelsea going back to the old days of just stocking up on past players and do you think um and big players as well and it's not easy always to keep those big players happy um how do you think um Frank is going to cope with the the rich of, uh, riches that he's got now in his squad I mean, as a manager, I don't know whether it's a bad thing to have all these players in your team. Uh, that said, uh, uh, I think it's a combination of old Roman getting what he wants and also Chelsea seeing this as a best summer to rebuild because a lot of other clubs can't compete with them financially this time around. So I think they've realized that, you know, 2020 summer is a good opportunity for them because say when a Kai Havertz is in the market, Otherwise, it would have been Barcelona and Real Madrid and United, Liverpool, all of them bidding for that player. Now, Chelsea could just walk in and get that player. And hence, I think Chelsea just realized this is a good summer. So, I won't expect this to continue every summer. And it's not like Roman is back and he'll continue doing this. He just sees that this has a potential window where, you know, a good rebuild can be achieved. So, yeah, I think... If you look at the kind of spend that a lot of clubs have done in the last four or five summers, rebuild is very expensive and uh, Chelsea are a club that is really like, they want to win trophies, they can't wait and you know, they can't do a five-year project to start winning trophies again. So, I mean, this, I think this is part of the Chelsea DNA of, you know, 
you can say is buying their way to success but i think it's just it just fell in place for them perfectly in the summer because of corona and because of their lack of transfer activities in the previous season so yeah yeah that that's also true they had quite a bit of money um because they're not spent uh, due to the ban uh, for a couple of years. So I suppose they've got that part side, but huge, huge signings. But um, building them into a team, and Frank Lampard, let's face it, is still uh, a young up-and-coming manager. Absolutely. Um, it's yeah. complete opposite from last year, where he's playing the young kids, less pressure. This time, there will be a little bit of expectation with Frank. Absolutely. And... Uh... Now, I don't think he has the excuse or the British media coming and supporting him saying that he is the saviour of English players because now the current Chelsea side, I don't know how many English players are going to make it. Unlike last year where a lot of English men, English youngsters were playing. So, there is obviously going to be a lot of pressure and we've also seen how he has been quite poor in organising his defence. And it's not like Chelsea has gone there. I mean, they've got Chilwell who is a decent left back. Uh, that should add pace compared to Marcus Alonso. I mean, we are looking at who Chelsea had last season. So, uh, I'm sure it's an upgrade to a left-back position. Maybe not to a left-wing back because I think Alonso is really good going forward. But in terms of defence, I think Chilwell is uh, definitely a better defender. And they have also signed Thiago Silva. Again, interesting signing simply because he brings in a lot of experience but he is no longer the fast defender. So you can't really go play a high line of defence. And that's strange because Chelsea wants to press high and, you know, you know, reduce the space. And that's the way Chelsea seemed to want to play last season. So a a defender like Thiago Silva can be a problem as well because he's not got that, you know, pace in that centre-back position. But that's it. He probably can organise the defence better and hopefully can get the keeper to be slightly better as well. Last time around, it was not so nice with uh, Kepa. So, yeah, I mean, Lampard's got, Lampard's got a very, very interesting, uh, challenging season in front of him. But, yeah, I mean, I mean he, I'm sure he knew this would come to him sooner rather than later at Chelsea. And he knows that club more than anybody else. So, I'm sure he'll be up for it. And if he's not up for it, uh, I don't, expect Roman to have enough patience with him so yeah well it'd be a big shock if Roman has any uh, thoughts of um, getting rid of Lampard that is not going to go down well Um, but we'll see what happens but no big expectations on Chelsea Um, the opposite with my club only one signing I know we've been named with a lot of other players but only Timothy Mm -hmm. Castagne coming in looks a promising player we've got our first league game today Um, it's not going to be easy because we've got quite a few players out, but we'll talk about Leicester Shaw as we do these um, live streams moving forward. Uh, but in terms of the teams that played yesterday, I thought Arsenal were really impressive. I know it's a way to Fulham, yeah. a newly promoted team, but you can still see the impact Arteta is already having. I mean, uh, he started off at the back end of the last season when winning the FA Cup during uh, the relaunch then winning the Charity Shield, even though that was on penalties. But you can see his impact already happening. Yeah. And uh, I think the shape is very clear. It's in some way similar to what Antonio Conte did with uh, Chelsea in terms of uh, 
that Chelsea side wasn't all that great in terms of personnel. Apart from Eden Hazard, there was no real world-class players. You had like some Victor Moses and Alonso and all those players, you know, of course, there was Kante in the center. But uh, I think uh, Alonso has got a very clear shape with a three, three-man defense and a uh, lot of width. And I think William was a perfect signing, brought in a lot of experience. Uh, Aubameyang looks to be enjoying his football again. That's a big plus. And Gabriel is a very young, exciting defender. So yeah, I think yeah. he made very clever, clever signings in the in the summer, and that team looks really perfect. I mean, you could probably add a midfielder for a more strength, but the likes of uh, Zaka and Cerelos and all of them are looking really nice. They seem to enjoy their football. So Arteta has got that working for them, and I think the. The very clear plan, and I think unlike Unai Emery days where it was a little chaotic as to what Arsene was trying to do, this is very clear. We know what, how Arteta has gone like, and they're very resolute, and they've sort of really tightened up their defense. So it's a it's a club to watch out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the top four. Yeah, that's the talk here. That uh, the way they started yesterday and uh, continuing from the way they were playing in the uh, restart, um, it, it, it definitely a potential top four. Club. But talking about the top four, um, Liverpool, as usual, won in the last minute. Um, so they're sticking to the game plan from last season. Uh, but a really good performance from one of the really big teams that have not been in the Premier League for a long, long time, Leeds United. Yeah. I don't know if you caught the game, but um, I was really impressed with Leeds. And they've got a top, top uh, coach in Bielsa. I, w- I was struggling to breathe watching their football match. It was just so exciting that you're forgetting to breathe. It was just intense pressure from both teams. I think the match was so exciting because it's not like Liverpool was sitting back. They were also mm. hitting them back. It was just a, a completely action-packed, great uh, testimony to uh, what Premier League is all about. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think all of us expected Leeds to be a mid-table side. I don't think they were anyway ever considered as a side that will get the immediate drop despite just coming from the championship because they were playing exciting football and they've got a, a very interesting manager who, who is not you know afraid to experiment or make a statement. You know, imagine going uh, I mean going to Liverpool and playing that way in the first match in Premier League after 16 years. So that should speak a lot about uh, Bielsa. So obviously a lot of teams are going to struggle with the way uh, Leeds pressed. But on the hindsight, uh, on the, I mean, if you look at the future, I, I, it's a question that we asked for early club teams as well. Will they be able to sustain this kind of a, a pressure for throughout the season? And it's not a very big squad, right? So, and this Premier League season is a little tighter, which means you might have to play two, three matches in a week. So. That's going to be the biggest challenge for Leeds, but they should easily get enough points to, I think, uh, survive the drop. Oh, without doubt, I think they're one of the better teams that have been promoted in recent years. And like I said, a huge, huge city that uh, deserves to be in the Premier League. And um, I think they played against uh, Arsenal last year in the FA Cup, where they, in the first half, they were incredible. But then they lost the momentum, the pace, the... uh, Fitness levels weren't there. So, yeah, you're quite right. Will will they be able to do this on a consistent basis? But we will see. Um, this show has, as always, gone really, really quickly. But it's been really great insight in terms of uh, listening to how football is seen in India. Um, but um, 
the way I wanted to end it is always in the start of any season is to get some sort of prediction from yourself. I mean, we've not really talked about Liverpool or Man City. We will do in forthcoming shows. And just to let everybody know, we will put this pod, uh, out on podcast. Uh, live streaming is still new to me, not for Nevin. So we'll improve on the live stream as well. We'll get better at it. So stick with us. Uh, but the main thing we want to do is come back to Nevin at the end of the season and see how his uh, predictions did. So oh, Nevin, in terms of um, top four, even top six, and I mean, a lot of people are still saying Liverpool uh, are going to retain their title. I think it'll be Man City. Um, so I'm putting my neck out there. Uh, what do you think? I'm uh, putting it for Liverpool. Because I don't know. I, I've got this. I mean, obviously, it really depends on the first three matches for City. And I wish I could see those matches before making those predictions. But I feel Guardiola is no longer motivated enough to really win things with City. I, I This is... I have no logical explanation to it. I just, you know, his mannerisms, the way he speaks, I don't know. I just feel there's no uh, enough drive in him to really go out and make a statement and beat uh, Liverpool. It's going to be a close contest though. I don't think Liverpool are going to be like runaway leaders simply because the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, United are all improved. So, I, I mean, I expect uh, Liverpool to have a very tough time trying to win the league, but Strangely, I expect them to win, even though I personally perhaps don't want them to win. But <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I, I don't see a lot of complete teams out there. I mean, Chelsea is all new. I don't expect them to compete for the title this season. Um, United has still a couple of holes. I mean, if they get Sancho, then perhaps you know, things are going to change their way. Uh, City, again, they've got. They did sign a couple of players, but they're, I think, still sort of a very good commanding centre-back. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and somehow you, like you, you sort of felt that even the players lacked motivation last year. So it really is going to depend on how Guardiola is going to motivate these bunch of players. Are they going to come back and say, you know, we've had enough of Liverpool fans, you know, mocking us or, you know, you know just the, the, the whole... Liverpool uh, domination of uh, English football, we want to make a statement again, then things are going to change. But I don't know whether they will have that kind of motivation. So a closely contested uh, league, maybe even say less than 90 points is going to win a title. But yeah, I think so. I this, yeah. Expect, yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah, Man City, I mean, they, they, they have put, uh, spent quite a bit of money on Nathan Ake, a player that I do like. They put, um, uh, um, Bournemouth, but Bournemouth. I, I agree yeah. uh, they did need a bit more defensive cover. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they come back because I think last year was a wake-up call. Uh, yeah, and I totally get what you're saying about the motivation. Sometimes you know you thought it, um, it was lacking, uh, but um, I think it'll be a lot closer than last year. Uh, looking forward to it as always. But um, it's something that we will hopefully be keeping an eye on on a regular basis. So, um, but. Thank you so much for today, uh, Nevin, as always. Uh, absolute pleasure speaking pleasure. to you. And uh, like I said, it's the first one. So hopefully people will bear with us. Well, with me anyway, because I know uh, there's no issues with yourself. But please bear with me and uh, we will get the live streams. Uh, no, I, I, at least in, in this, this particular show, I think you are the expert here because you are the one who is in Leicester and actually seeing and following. 
uh, football there. So I think for the next episode, I'm going to ask you questions and uh, <laughs> you can probably give me some insights about what's happening over there. Well, I'm not sure about being an expert at all. I'm just a passionate follower of football and obviously my beloved Leicester City, who I'm looking forward to seeing. And I hope you will get some coverage so you can watch Leicester play today against West Bromwich Albion. So, uh, yes, yes, I've got Justin in my uh, FPL team. So All I'm right, OK. Well, Castagna might be playing in that position, but we'll see who he plays because we are struggling for players at the moment with Evans injured, Morgan injured. Um, We've not got too many centre-backs, so we'll see. And obviously, we sold Chilwell to you guys for a fortune. But I'm happy about that one anyway. I'm not too disappointed. But I'm sure we'll keep the banter going as the season progresses. But for a launch, Absolutely. it's been uh, really good talking to you. It's been fine, yeah. You stay safe and uh, hopefully we can connect very soon. Take Absolutely. care. Bye-bye.